It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to monday.com. Welcome to the Financial Times Big Read, a weekly podcast featuring the best of our long-form reporting from around the world. I'm Anna Dedder from the Comment and Analysis Desk. Overfishing is a global problem that has had an unexpected side effect, a surge in the popularity of squid. As traditional catches such as mackerel and hake dwindle, fishing fleets are looking for substitutes, says Lucy Hornby. And this is leading to political tensions as China's industrial fleets, spurred by subsidies from Beijing, trawl ever further from their home waters, threatening the livelihoods of those in Chile and Argentina, for instance. But could stocks of squid collapse too? asks Lucy. Seagulls wheel and cry around the Caleta Portales fishing pier in the Chilean port of Valparaiso, while sea lions loiter in the waves. The fishermen hoist their boats out of the water, untangle a paltry catch from their nets, and trudge off for a political strategy meeting in a dark room lit only by a PowerPoint presentation. Nearby, a line of white banners bears a defiant message with red block letters, No to Industrial Squid Trawling. Until two decades ago, these Chilean fishermen would not have bothered with squid. The prizes then were mackerel and hake. Squid were considered dangerous because of the amount of water, and the occasional sea lion, they bring up with the nets, enough to destabilize a boat in heavy waves. Poor families in Valparaiso ate enchiladas stuck with loco, an abalone-like shellfish sold from carts on street corners. Nowadays, the sea has changed. Overfishing is threatening once plentiful resources and the communities that depend on them. Squid is just the latest and one of the last food sources in the oceans to be exploited by humans. International politics also intrudes. Helped by generous subsidies from Beijing, Chinese industrial fishing fleets are traveling further and further from depleted home waters to find fish and squid, leading to growing tensions with even friendly countries like Argentina. The UN's Food and Agricultural Organization estimated last summer that 90% of the commercial fish stops it tracks have been overfished or fully fished, including the world's 10 most commercially productive species. Marine biologist Edgardo Fuentes of Universidad Austral de Chile says, We are fishing deeper and deeper into the ocean. As one species disappears, we are overfishing the next. Chilean loco, overharvested for export in the 80s, almost disappeared. By the late 1990s, the country's fishermen were catching eight times more than the recommended level of mackerel. Worldwide mackerel stocks went into freefall from 2006. Stocks of other species have also declined rapidly. Hake was the livelihood of the older fishermen in Valparaiso. The whitefish was a mainstay of Chile's exports, until overfishing caused it to collapse early this century. Juan Gomez is 64, He's mostly retired from fishing, but he's the unofficial poet of the wharves. He says, These days, there are very few hake. Not all the boats are working. I'm in love with the sea. I'm a fisherman's son. It's hard to work for other things. Squid is taking the place of declining stocks. 
In Valparaiso, artisanal fishermen operating out of Caleta Portales rely on squid for about half their income. And the carts now sell enchiladas stuffed with squid, which locos call loco de pobres, or the poor man's loco. Even Corpesca, the nation's largest fishing conglomerate, has moved into the game. Chilean fishermen were outraged in 2012 when the revised fisheries law gave Corpesca a permanent quota of 20% of the squid catch. Mr. Fuentes, the biologist, says, Other species have collapsed, so these ships and technology are being applied to squid. Squid is becoming a new option. The emergence of squid as a commercially important species traces the decline of more popular fish. Fishermen like Mr. Gomez blame squid for eating the hake. Not so, according to Ian Scott, an independent fisheries consultant. He says, The counter-argument is that overfishing of many stocks left a gap in the ecosystem that was filled by jumbo squid. Fishing statistics can be difficult to pin down. Where it is regulated, fishermen tend to under-report catches to bypass quotas. On the open ocean, no one counts. And companies in China, which accounts for about 18% of the world's fish caught in the wild, over-report their catch to meet Beijing's output growth targets and to compete for subsidies. Squid now accounts for more than half the Chinese fleet's catch outside its home waters. And what the Chinese boats catch, the world eats. Half of the fish caught by Chinese fishermen in international waters is re-exported to Europe, North Asia, and America. The FAO estimates that squid made up 6% of the world fish trade in 2013, while Chinese estimates imply that it is closer to 9%. The two most commonly caught species of squid together ranked 11th among top catches from 2003 to 2012. By 2014, squid had moved up to the 7th most caught species. Scientists know relatively little about squid. Sonar bounces off them differently from schools of fish, making it harder to map their population. Numbers fluctuate greatly from year to year, possibly due to the El Nino cycle. Warming oceans may have expanded the geographic area where they are found. And they eat anything, even each other. Could stocks of squid collapse too? Some argue that they are uniquely protected from the cycle of overfishing, because of their short lifespans. Hu Shibal, the president of CNFC Overseas Fisheries Company, a unit of China's largest state-owned fishing conglomerate, says, Squid die anywhere within a year and a half, so the resource is relatively stable. We can anticipate how the market will be and calculate the catch. But squid are not immune to overfishing. Depleted resources in waters east of Siberia have pushed the Chinese fleet as far as Patagonia. Longer voyages have driven an expansion in capacity. Mr. Hu adds, Volumes are big in South America. We need big volumes to make it worth it, because the costs are high. Stocks of Argentine short-fin squid have begun fluctuating sharply, leading the local fishermen to complain that Chinese boats sitting just outside their waters monopolize the catch. Last March, the Argentine Coast Guard fired on and sank a Chinese fishing boat in its territorial waters. Meanwhile, part of the Chinese fleet has shifted to Peru and Chile to seek Jumbo's flying squid, an important Peruvian export. It doesn't taste as good, but Chinese processors have found a way to mask the difference. And fishing friction is not limited to squid. In the South China Sea, the Philippines and Indonesia regularly intercept Chinese boats. 
and Japan and China are at odds over the disputed Senkaku Islands, which in Chinese are known as the Diaoyu, or fishing, islands. The dynamics of overfishing and squid are best understood half a world away from Valparaiso in Josan, the archipelago in eastern China that is home to 70% of China's squid fishing fleet. The islands stretch into what was once one of the world's richest fishing zones, where the muddy waters of Hangzhou Bay meet the East China Sea, just south of Shanghai. The resource collapse was particularly striking here, says Chen Wei, the vice director of the Zhoushan Commodity Exchange Center. He's speaking from an echoingly empty new building. In a sign of the times, it was built to help cash-trapped warehouses pay the boats laden with fish and to keep Zhoushan's processing factories in business. Chen Wei says, In recent years, because the fish have retreated, we became the center for overseas fishing. And because it was a big fishing area in the past, processing is very developed. So that's how Zhoushan became the main place for squid processing. Zhoushan's squid crown is challenged by the northern port of Qingdao, China's largest fish processing center. Factories around Qingdao borrowed heavily and expanded to process whitefish fillets for export to Europe, only to find their margins threatened by overcapacity. They, too, are switching to squid as the supply of whitefish falters. They have the bigger plants, Mr. Chen says, but we have the integrated chain, boats, processing, and exports. Beijing is worried that the collapse of local fisheries will trigger job losses at fish processing plants in coastal communities like Joshan. But its response has added to the pressure on global resources. Strict seasonal fishing bans along the Chinese coast, and this year's is the broadest ever, are offset with subsidies for diesel, shipbuilding, and expanded seafood processing industrial zones that push the Chinese fleet into international water. The subsidies have enabled an unhinged growth in China's deep-water fishing capacity, Greenpeace said in a 2016 report. It concluded that the Chinese industry has expanded far beyond its means. Like the fishermen of Valparaiso, Josan villagers did not particularly care about squid before the 1970s. Then China ended its experiment with communal fishing cooperatives, and families returned to the sea to make a living in the new market economy. Stocks of yellow croaker, crab, and cuttlefish in the East China Sea declined swiftly. As stocks dwindled, Zhoushan's fishing families banded together to invest in bigger boats. They chased the migrating croaker north to the cold waters east of Vladivostok, and they found squid. Clashes with Korean and Japanese ships prompted one of China's first maritime agreements, demarcating overlapping economic zones in the 1990s following the adoption of the UN Convention of Law of the Sea, also known as UNCLOS. By that time, the Japanese flying squid favored in North Asia cooking was under strain. Joshan bosses invested in even bigger ships, capable of longer voyages. They paid for their sons to stay in school, and they contracted farmers from poor inland regions to man the boats. As voyages became more expensive, boat owners pulled their resources to form companies like Ningtai Ocean, China's largest private fishing company with 60 boats. Others funded enormous transport ships, so the fishing fleet can stay out for two years. Chinese boats can range so far because of a tenfold increase in diesel subsidies between 2006 and 2011, after which Beijing stopped releasing statistics, according to the Greenpeace report. Wang Zhongxiao, the head of Ningtai Ocean, says 
If it weren't for the diesel subsidy, under these conditions, most fishermen would fold. Before, conditions were better and we were profitable without the subsidies. Now, we need them. Zhoushan today has been overtaken by the strange logic of Chinese overcapacity. If you have too much of something, build more. Exhibit A is Zhoushan's new 5.6 billion renminbi national report. That's $823 million in dollars. It was built to accommodate the much larger ocean-going vessels that Zhoushan is now sending out. Nearby processing factories are being upgraded and their facilities expanded. The new port is tasked with offloading 1 million tons of seafood a year by 2020, more than double the region's current haul. Competition from other large new ports planned along the Chinese coast means that Zhoushan's new port is still far from reaching its goal, laments Lin Zhigan, the deputy head at the port construction headquarters. His solution? Bring in more fish and more squid from faraway seas. Everyone has to eat, he says, and now eats more and more. So the resources have to come.